Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Uh, so we are uh, going to be in 1 Peter 5, and we're kicking off a brand new series tonight that we've called Creature Comfort. Somebody say Creature Comfort. Creature comfort. And uh, basically, if you've never heard that phrase before, creature comforts are exterior, exterior or material comforts that contribute to physical ease and well-being. I'll say that again. Creature comforts are exterior or material comforts that contribute to physical ease and well-being. Creature comforts are often the things we use to cope or mask feelings of emptiness deep down. Rather than deal with real problems, we cover them up or entertain ourselves. And creature comforts can be things like uh, uh, social media, like food, um, basically anything that we do to, to distract ourselves or cover up maybe some sort of thing that's going on deep down. And the reason we sort of deal with this is because a lot of us, many of us, don't want to actually address the problems that we find ourselves walking through deep down. And in this series, we're going to deal with sort of the heart problems that cause us really to the need to mask or cover up some of the things that we're experiencing. And we're going to do this by looking at what's called the seven deadly sins. The seven deadly sins. So each week, we're going to be talking about these seven deadly sins. Sins. Now, the seven deadly sins are, I'm going to throw them up on the screen, are pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. We hate sloths here. We're just kidding. Sloths are pretty cool. Um, I was going to put laziness because that's uh, essentially the, that's the same thing. Probably as we move through the series, we'll probably change it to, to laziness because I don't want us to think that we're hating on sloths the whole time. Um, but uh, the idea of sloth is laziness. But these are the seven deadly sins. Have you heard of the seven deadly sins before? All right. A lot of you have. Seven deadly sins. These come out of really early church uh, tradition from what are called the desert mothers and fathers, which were 4th century monks and followers of Jesus. This is where this concept really originated. So you're not going to find a list in your Bible that says like the seven deadly sins are and have this list. This is basically a collection of people that spent their life studying God's word and even more than that, practicing a way of simplicity that would eliminate some of what they consider these deadly sins. Now the interesting thing about these seven deadly sins is they're attributed to be the root of all sins. So every sin, everything that we deal with beyond this can sort of be traced back to one of these seven. And from these seven things stem all human error and go against the root of Christianity, which is love for God, love for others, and a proper and healthy love for self. The, the, these seven deadly sins go against the root of Christianity. And the root of Christianity is a love for God, a love for others, and a proper and healthy view and love of self. And all of these seven deadly sins stem from a desire for more. Tonight we're going to start by looking at the first one, which is pride. 
We're going to talk about pride. And I want to break down each one of these as a desire for more. And I think this is helpful for us as we move through the series. But pride is a desire for more self. Greed is a desire for more stuff. Lust is a desire for more pleasure. Envy is more of theirs. Gluttony is more entertainment. Wrath is more emotions. And laziness is more comfort. So we're going to kind of break down these things. And basically my goal throughout these, we're going to look at the vices and then we're going to look at the virtues that combat them. We're going to talk about the vices, what these things are, and then the virtues that will help us overcome them. Sort of the menaces that plague the Christian and then the mercy of God that allows us to grow. We're going to talk about the menaces that plague the Christian and then the mercy of God that allows for us to grow and overcome and combat these seven deadly sins. Sound good? Sounds like a fun series, right? I'm excited about this. All right. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, um, we read this. We're talking about pride tonight. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you. Someone say all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under, the, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. This passage shows to us what pride does, and then shows to us how to combat that pride. The vice that is pride, and then the virtue of humility that allows for us to overcome it. Now, pride is a root sin, and it's really the first sin. Uh, 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 St. Augustine of Hippo said this, Pride changes angels into devils, but it's humility that makes humans as angels. This is really the initial sin. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, it was pride that caused Adam and Eve to sin and disobey God. The story was God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, hey, I've placed you in this garden. We have perfect, unbroken relationship. And there's only one rule. You can eat of every tree in the garden except for one. And this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of this, you'll die. And then we're told that the serpent came. And kind of shocking story, the serpent starts talking to Eve. And the serpent, the deceiver, begins to trick her. And he says, did God really say that you can't eat of any trees in the garden? Now, is that what God said? No. God said you could eat of every tree of the garden except for one. And what the enemy always does is he gets you to focus on the exception. Right? So there's freedom in Christ. There's things that we're supposed to do to walk with God. And then there's these, there's these things like, hey, stay away from that. And the enemy comes and says, hey, why can't you go over there? That's what you're missing out on. That's what life's all about. That one thing that's, that you're supposed to say no to, that's actually where life is found. The enemy always gets you to focus on the exceptions. And so he says, he says, man, did God really say that? And she said, no. He says, we can eat of everything except for the one. And then he says, well, that one, if you eat of that one, the reason he want, he's keeping that from you is because that will make you like God. You'll know good from evil. And Eve was confused. She was deceived. And so she ate of the fruit that God had told her no to really out of a desire we're told to be like God 
Pride is really excessive belief in one's own abilities or goodness that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. Pride is excessive belief in one's own ability or goodness. I've got this under control. I'm capable. I've got it all together. Or I'm good enough. I can do it myself. I don't need anybody else. And it interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God or the need for the grace of God. And pride elevates your view of yourself over others and ultimately over God. And pride can come from a a number of different things. Pride can come of thinking too highly of yourself Right? I'm the best. I'm the coolest. I'm the smartest. I'm the greatest. I, whatever it is, it can come from, from thinking too highly of yourself or, or really I'm better than them. Pride can also come from thinking too lowly of yourself. Oh, I'm no good. I'm so bad. I, I'm this. I'm that. Pride is essentially thinking too much of yourself or too much about yourself. It's been said that humility is not thinking of, uh, or excuse me, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. And pride is essentially the opposite. Pride is thinking about yourself too much. It's all about me. It's either I'm so great or I'm so bad. Whatever the case, it makes us the center of everything. And thinking of yourself too much will allow pride to develop in your life and will create all sorts of problems both internally and externally. Listen to what James says in the book of James. He actually quotes the same Proverbs passage that Peter quotes when he says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Listen to what he says. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he jealousy longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. He quotes the same verse as Peter from Proverbs 3, but James recognizes that all the problems you have with other people stems from pride. He says, why do you fight? Why do you quarrel? Why are you jealous? Why do you covet? Why do you murder? Why do you act this way? Deep down, what he's saying is it all stems from some root issue of pride. Gossip, conflict with others, jealousy, covetousness, and the list goes on and on. All stem from this root issue of pride. An imbalanced view of self will cause you to treat other people poorly. And pride is not just something that happens internally. It may start on the inside, but pride always comes out in how you view yourself and how you view others. And pride will come out in all sorts of ways. And oftentimes we don't even realize it's pride. Are you anxious? Are you critical of others? Are you defensive when someone points out your sin or or problems with you? 
Do you quickly notice pride in others? Are you constantly seeking out other people's approval? Are you insecure? Do you think you're worthless? Do you take advantage of God's grace? Or do you think that your sin is bigger than God's grace? All of these things are some form of pride. And stem back, root, uh, trace back to some level of pride in us. And so much of our problems, both internally and externally, stem from a level of pride. Not only will pride cause problems internally, we won't have the right view of ourselves, or we'll be in balance. And not only does it cause problems externally with people, but also pride interferes with our relationship with God. Notice that the verse in 1 Peter and in James tells us what God does to the proud. Did you notice it? What, what does God do to the proud? He opposes the proud or resists the proud. The word oppose or resist, it literally means to range in battle against. So imagine, imagine your life and you're going out and you're on one side of the boxing ring and it's you and your pride. And then on the other side of the boxing ring, it's God. It says God actually arranges himself in battle array against the proud. Now, the idea is not that God is going against you. The idea is your pride is going against God. You need to recognize the difference. It's not like God's like, all right, it's time to fight, let's go. No, the idea is that God's going a certain direction, and when we're full of pride, we actually put ourselves in opposition to the way of God, to the flow of God. Because the Bible says very clearly that God's for you. He's not against you. That God wants to bless you, that God wants to cover you, that grace and mercy wants to follow you. And so what happens is when we puff ourselves up, when we're filled with pride, we turn against the flow of God's favor. And so we got to recognize that God, we're told, opposes the proud. Now there are two types of pride that we should watch out for. You guys with me? Is this helpful so far? Okay, two types of pride that we should watch out for. Number one, it is I am better than you pride. A pride that we need to watch out for is a pride that says I'm better than you. Now this is the most common sort of concept of pride when we think of pride. This is like when, when somebody says, hey, they have, they have pride, we usually think in the sense of they think they're better than me. They walk around with an arrogance because they think or they know that they're better than I am. And often we view our life through the lens of comparison. We view our life in light of other people's lives. This is only sort of exaggerated since social media, right? I mean, we basically scroll all day long and look at what other people are doing, and then we feel like, I wish I was doing that. Like their life, oh, well, they another vacation for them. Like, man, they look so great. Here I am, I gained some weight, got a pimple on my face. Like, what's going on? And so often we, 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 we live our life through the lens of comparison, and then we celebrate when our life seems better than theirs, or we criticize and judge when their life seems better than ours, right? We, we come, when, when we look out and their life seems better than ours, what do we do? We find a reason why it's not fair that their life is better than ours. Well, that's just because they have this. Oh, did you hear what they did to get that? And what happens is we have to, we have to cut them down really in order to feel better about ourselves. And it stems from a pride because we think we're better than them. 
This all stems from some sort of idea that we think we're better than other people, and this usually leads to being judgmental and alone. I am better than you, pride, always leads to being judgmental and eventually alone. Because you can surround yourself with people for a long enough time that will gossip with you, that will, that will say bad things about other people, but eventually they figure out that if they're saying bad stuff about them, they're probably saying bad stuff about you. And eventually you go like, do you know what? I, I, I'm not going to stick around while we talk about that person only to know when I walk out of the door they're going to talk about me. And I'm better than you pride always leads to being judgmental and alone. The second kind of pride that we need to watch out for is I can handle it pride. Okay, so this is a less obvious type of pride. This is a more subtle version of pride. This is when we think we don't need anyone. We can figure it out. We can carry it. We can handle it. This usually leads to being anxious, overwhelmed, stressed out, even bitter or angry. Right? We think, I got this. I can handle it. I don't need your help. I don't need anybody else's help. I'll get through it. I'll figure it out. I can do it. And what it's saying is, is I, I can do it on myself. I don't, I don't need anybody else. And the root of this is pride. That's why Peter directly says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then he immediately follows and says, cast your cares upon God for he cares for us. It is pride that says we don't need others or we don't need God. It's pride that says, I can figure it out, I can handle it, I can get through it, I'll muster up the strength, I can do it. And what happens is usually we start carrying those things and then we realize we can't carry all those things. We can't carry well relationship with God, relationship with friends, our dreams, our school, our job, all of these things. We start carrying everything ourselves and pretty soon something's going to get dropped. <laughs> something's going to fall over. Something's going to break us. And yet pride says, I can handle it. And so he says, don't, don't live like that. Instead, cast your cares upon God. So pride will come in. It messes up with our internal view of self. It messes how we uh, interact with other people. It messes with our view and our relationship with God. So how do we combat it? What's the antidote to pride? How do we deal with the sin of pride? Well, Peter tells us three times, what's the answer? How do we deal with pride? What do you think it is? Come on, somebody say it. It's humility, right? Three times Peter tells us the antidote to pride, the, the sort of virtue to the vice of pride is humility. And Peter tells us what true humility will look like. First thing he tells us is to clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. The language that he uses, the idea of clothe yourself with humility, it's like a servant putting on an apron, that's the idea. When he says, clothe yourself with humility, it's like a servant putting on an apron. Literally, this language that he's using describes what Jesus did when he washes the disciples' feet. We're told that Jesus, he, they're sitting together, they have food together, and then Jesus goes and he puts on sort of a towel. He puts on an apron, and then he sits down, or he kneels down, and he begins to, to wash the disciples' feet. Now, a couple things. One, we got to understand that their context is different than our, and our context and their culture was different. Like if you came over to my house for dinner and all of a sudden I like put on a robe and started washing your feet, you'd be like, this is so weird. And I would agree with you. 
Hannah would be like, what is happening? That's not the culture. It was completely different. In fact, it was customary when you would walk into somebody's houses in their time because of dirt road and because of sandal that they would usually have a basin of water that you would use to wash your feet. And if they were more wealthy or if they were, had more uh, 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 sort of affluence, then that they would actually have people that worked for them that would come and wash your feet. Now, Jesus and his disciples were, were in a borrowed room. They had no place to live. So they were in a borrowed house in an upper room where they were sharing a meal together. And Jesus took on the form of the, the servant, the, the sort of the people that would work for wealthy families. And he was the one that got down, knelt down, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Taking probably the grossest and the most humble act of service to somebody else. And in their culture, this was a sign of love and appreciation and belonging as they begin to wash feet. So to clothe yourself with humility is to take the low place and look for opportunity, listen to me, to serve one another. The antidote to pride is humility. And listen, humility is not self-hatred, but self-sacrifice. Humility is saying, what can I do for the benefit of other people? How can I use my life, my giftings, my abilities, or my weaknesses, my story, to come alongside other people and actually help them, serve them? Oftentimes we come even to church with sort of like a consumer mentality. We come here and say, okay, what am I going to get out of this? Am I going to get entertained? Am I going to get blessed? Am I going to feel some type of way? Rather than recognizing we actually come to church not as consumers but as contributors to say how can I serve one another? How can I glorify God in my worship and how can I serve the people that are with me? And then we take that mindset, that idea of self-sacrifice and service out of the four walls of the church into our home and into our workplace and into our schools and into our friend circles. And we say, how can I be a contributor? How can I serve the people around me? The antidote to pride is humility and humility looks like service. Humility looks like, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? Come on, let me challenge you this week. Look for an opportunity to serve somebody around you. What is that going to look like? I don't know. It might look like, hey, you don't have to pitch in for gas this week. Or it might look like, oh, no, I don't mind. I can drive you home. It might, oh, you, you forgot your money. Don't worry about it. I can buy lunch. Or, or do you know what? It's going to look like a compliment. It's going to look like going out of your way to show kindness to somebody. It's going to be going out of your way to include somebody. Hey, usually we invite just this group. I'm going to add this person to the chat, and we'll see what happens. It's this idea of I'm going to serve. I'm going to look for opportunities to serve. Humility looks like service. The second thing we're told is that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. He says, clothe yourself in humility, but he also says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The idea is to submit to God and allow him to exalt you. Submit to God and allow him to exalt you. We live in a world of self-promotion, right? Like, subscribe, share, and follow my life. And I will show you how great I am. And make sure you repost and make sure you tell everybody how great I am. And not only am I going to post the post, I'm going to post it on my stories. I'll make sure everybody knows my, my post. And without, like, that's our life. It's all about self-promotion. It's all about me. It's all about look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm not hating on that entirely. I do the same thing. So 
Don't like, oh my gosh, Nate says don't post our post on the story. I don't care at all. But anyways, the idea is, is, is promotion. It's all about it's all about self-promotion. It's all about if, if, if you don't tell everybody about yourself, people are going to forget about you. That's the fear. The fear is if we, if we stop responding to texts or if we stop posting on social media or if we stop texting first, then people are going to forget about us. And what the Bible tells us to do, what this passage tells us to do, is to actually submit ourselves to God and allow him to promote you. The idea really specifically is to allow God to take care of you. Your worries, your future, your plans, your desires, all of it is to be submitted to God and allow him to carry it for you. Cast all your cares upon God, for he cares for you. Listen, humility creates a dependence upon God, a love for others, and true emotional health. Humility creates a dependence upon God. Can I, can I challenge you that if your life currently doesn't have some level of complete dependence upon God, you're probably not taking big enough steps of faith. Many of us can handle it. Many of us were living our life in such a way that we can handle it. And I would sort of submit to you tonight that if you can handle it, maybe God wants to stretch you. Maybe God wants to take you beyond what you're living in right now. Maybe he wants to, to, to put you out of your comfort zone in a place where you find yourself completely dependent upon God. Because when we find ourselves dependent upon God, that's when we find true freedom. We don't have to carry it ourselves. We don't have to figure it out ourselves. We actually can trust him completely. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Humility, not only does it create dependence upon God, but a love for others. Do you know what's interesting about serving others is maybe at first it's awkward or it's, or it's, it's not something we want to do. But when you find yourself serving God and serving others, it leads to a desire to do it. It's the weirdest thing. Sometimes you, you take, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show love to other people and I don't really want to. But then all of a sudden, as you serve God, God sort of like grows your heart like the Grinch. And now you like, I actually like, love, I actually like serving people. It's the weirdest thing. I'm telling you, if you start to serve God and you start to serve others, God will increase your capacity to love other people. People that you're like, they used to annoy you. You're like, that person drove me nuts. When you start serving people, you go, okay, how can I, how can I reach that person? How can I, how can I get them to actually not annoy me, but maybe, maybe we don't have to be best friends, but maybe there's something deeper there that God wants to do in my heart. It's crazy when you serve God, the love for others that God develops in your life. And humility, an idea of I'm going to serve other people, it, it develops a love for others. And humility creates what I said, true emotional health. Because what happens is we realize we're able to weigh things properly. Because so much of the, the stuff that we, f we experience emotionally comes from imbalance, right? It's either, it's either too much 
worry or too much or we think too little of ourselves or it's the other side we think too highly of ourselves and we're just all over the place humility and service unto God and we say okay God I'm going to serve you I'm going to walk with you I'm going to live pleasing to you it allows for us to find balance it allows for us to find balance now don't mishear me there is I don't want to get into anxiety entirely, and I know that there's, there's many, of, many of you, many of us that deal with serious levels of anxiety that probably, you, you, I went blank on the word, but it's not just worries from life. It's diagnosed. That's the word I'm looking for. Some of us have diagnosed anxiety that you're walking through, and I'm not just saying, like, think less of yourself, and you'll, it'll be the problem solved. Don't mishear me, okay? Um, what I am saying is a lot of the extra burdens that we carry, all of the stuff that causes us to feel stressed out, is rooted in some level of pride. Think about it like this. Um, I am, I mean, even today, Hannah and I went grocery shopping, and we brought the groceries home, and uh, it's one trip. One trip or nothing, right? We bring the, we gr- bring the groceries in in one trip. But sometimes... Like, because I don't want to drop anything on my foot, I have to take two trips. Like, today there was, there was five bags of groceries and three cans of La- or three boxes of LaCroix. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do it. I couldn't do it. I had to take two trips. I had to go back for the third box of LaCroix. But you know what? I think for, for, for many of us, we, we, we walk through life thinking, oh, I'll just carry it. I can do it. And we end up, we end up breaking. We end up falling over. We end up dropping it. (laughs) And the idea of humility is to go, okay, God, I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm going to recognize I I, actually, I don't have this. I can't carry this. And I'm going to cast all my cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for me. And he wants to give me the freedom that's found in true humility. The vice that many of us walk through is, is pride, but the virtue that will allow for us to overcome it is humility. To say, God, I'm going to submit myself to you, and I'm going to clothe myself in humility towards others. I'm going to look for opportunity to serve. Let's pray together. Father, we-